Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Great to have you here. Hey, um, huge, huge hand. Can we just welcome friends and family who are visiting here today in town for Christmas? Thank you for being here. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, great, great to be here. Great to, uh, we have a great man named Devin who serves here. He's part of our team. Uh, he's a vet. We thank him for his service. Uh, but, but we're very, very glad that this year he didn't burn his beard with the candle. We're very good. Can we give God a hand that his beard is safe this year? It's a little shorter. Hey, this whole month we've been celebrating the wonder of Jesus. We've talked about it throughout different parts of every weekend, every service. So we talked about the wonder of a star and what that meant to the Magi who were following after Jesus and following the signs and the wonder, looking for the Messiah, the promised one, the prophesied one. Then we talked about the wonder of his name. And all the glory that rests on the name of Jesus, the power that we have in the name of Jesus, the trust that we have in the name of Jesus, the rest that we find in the name of Jesus, the glory that is in the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Amen? Amen. And then we talked last week about the wonder of his peace, how the peace that we have because of Jesus, the peace that he gives us, the peace that he said the world cannot give, which is interesting Because we have a world every day looking for peace amidst chaos and confusion. Yet Jesus said, there's a peace that I give to you that the world cannot give you. I just think that's so important as Christians that we continue to look at Jesus as we look at the world and the events in the world and the chaos in the world because we will not find the peace that Jesus said only comes from him outside of him. It's so important, right? Today we're talking about the wonder of his grace. The wonder of his grace. See, Christmas time is the time that reminds us that grace came down for us. Grace came down. Came down from heaven. Uh, Came down for you. Came down for me. For all of humanity. Came down for our nation. Came down for the world. Came down for our city. Our city needs Jesus. Amen? Amen? It needs more of Jesus. And Christ came down for us. And so we celebrate the wonder of his birth but more specifically, the arrival of a promise of a Messiah, of a promised one, who would come and make things right in our lives, and he would make us righteous. We could stand up today, wherever we are, because of Jesus, knowing that we've been forgiven, we're saved, we're empowered by his spirit, we're redeemed, we can walk in that grace That's what grace is. It's it's that redemption, salvation, and mercy, love poured out onto our life. We walk in that. Grace came down for us. See, you ever been to a concert or or maybe a a show where music is playing and there's a band or an artist that's on the stage, and maybe that artist goes to the front of the stage and they begin to interact with the fan, right? And they maybe, you know, start clapping the hands of the fans or they give them a high five or a fist bump or something. Everybody's eyes kind of turn 
to that person that they're interacting with, right? And there's this moment where people are kind of focused on that fan, especially if the fan, like, maybe gets down on one knee and starts taking pictures with them or something, right? And, and there's this moment where everybody's locked in and, and looking, and people are just fixated on that. Why? It's because everyone is shocked that someone who's on a stage would come down and interact with someone who paid something like $700 for a front row ticket, right? They're shocked that someone would interact with someone. Instead of keeping their place on the stage, they move towards someone and come down to that person, and it gets everybody's attention. How good is it to know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords came down to earth for us, and the price of the ticket was paid on the cross, and he paid it all, and we now rest in that grace that came down for us. We now live in that grace that came down for us. We now walk in that grace every day that came down for us. It's not just grace that came and went, it's grace that came and it stayed. That's the wonder of his grace. The grace that saved me is the grace that sustains me. The grace that saved me is the grace that keeps me. The grace that helped me then is the grace that helps me today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day after. It's the grace that carries me till I draw my last breath. And it all starts with a baby born in a manger, grace that came down. John chapter 1 says it like this, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Grace and truth. Can't have one without the other. Grace came, truth came, and it came through Jesus Christ. Now, now what does the word grace mean? Because this word is, is used over 150 times in the New Testament. That word grace used 150 times. That's a lot of times, isn't it? That's a lot of times that word is used. And as it's used, that word grace means undeserved favor and mercy of God toward us. So there's this constant theme through the New Testament. So we have the Old Testament promising the Messiah. We have the New Testament with the arrival of the Messiah. So there's the anticipation, the arrival And now we rest in this grace, and this grace just continues on and on and on. And that's the gospel of the good news. That's what we rest in. It's grace that we didn't deserve. It's unmerited, undeserved favor. It's mercy of God towards us, which means tomorrow I don't try to get up and earn it. I already have it. It means on my best day, God gave me grace, and on my worst day, God gives me grace. It means the weight is not on me. The weight was put on him. So, so often we're thinking, you know, how can I do more? How can I do better? Which has its place, but not in line with our salvation because our salvation was by grace. Through our faith and the grace of God, we were saved. And now that wonder of his grace. See, this is what keeps us going back, looking at grace over and over and over and over. It's why we're called Grace Avenue Church. There was such a work of grace that God did in my life, in Janelle's life, and from the very beginning, we knew God was stirring something in us and giving us this great understanding of grace, and that grace is something that's available to you. And I wanted to remind you of that, especially at Christmas time, because it's important. It's important that we remember that, right? See, God has this endless love for us. We have love that that ends, (laughs) because people get on our nerves, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they might be sitting next to you right now, but that's, a, that's not important today because it's Christmas. But people get on our nerves, right? So our, our, love, our love ends at a certain point. 
our like ends at a certain point way back, right? But God's love is endless. It's constant. It's always there. Can you think about that for a second? That God's love for you is constant. When you are so hard on yourself, God's love is constant. When you are unfaithful to God, God's love is constant. When, when you go in directions in, in, in your life that you know God has better for you, God's love is constant. It's that love of God that is just unmistakable and, and it's drawing us constantly back to his grace, back to his life, back to who he is and who he's called us to be. And Christmas is a reminder of that grace. Matthew chapter one reminds us of this. It tells us, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So here we have a Savior born, the promised one, and his name means God is with us. God is with you. Tomorrow, God is with you. What you're going through right now, God is with you. In the uncertainty, God is with you. In the pain, God is with you. In the adversity, God is with you. In the struggle, God is with you. In the temptation, God is with you. In the unknown, God is with you. In the difficulty, God is with you. After those tamales, God is with you. (laughs) See, the message of Christmas throughout the Gospels is this message of grace coming down, and it's not that Jesus simply came down from heaven to just get us to go to heaven. He came to give us a taste of heaven now. He came to give us a taste of his mercy and his grace now that we get to walk in now by his spirit in this power, not in our own strength, but in the strength of his power. We get to walk in this grace that covers every step that we make. You ever think about that? That every step that you've made God, his grace has been on those steps. When you messed it up, his, his grace was there. When you thought, I've got this, and you didn't, God's grace was there. When you thought you didn't need God, but then you found out you did, God's grace was there. Right? When you were pushing, pushing, pushing so hard, thinking this is what's going to open the door, this is what's going to change the situation, and it didn't, God's grace still was there, not to shame you, but to draw you back to him, to love you through it. See, this is the wonder of his grace. It's always there. It's not something we have to earn. It's something that's given. And right now, we get to experience that. Not just someday, right now, in this life, we get to experience his acceptance, his hope, his strength. When I was a little kid, um, there was a, this thing called a telephone. It used to be next to your couch, and it had a wire that went to the wall, and that's how you would use it, right? And you would pick up this thing, and you would actually push these really hard buttons on it, and they would make sounds, and as you push those buttons, you could place a call, okay? So you make this call, and when I was about nine years old, I remember picking up the phone, and somebody on the other end of the line says, hello, uh, what's your name? And I said, hi. And back then, they called me Danny, right? They said, oh, my name's Danny. They said, oh, okay. Uh, Well, congratulations, Danny. You are the grand prize winner of our grand prize. I said, wow, what is this? He said, well, first of all, how old are you? I said, I'm nine years old. 
I said, great, great. They said, okay. Uh, and, uh, and, and do you live with your, by yourself or with your parents? Uh, I live with my parents. Okay, okay, okay great. And, um, and when is your birthday? Um, it's in July. Wow, Danny, that's coming up in a couple of months. That's great. Okay, well, here's the grand prize. You have won a brand new Corvette. <laughs> Guys, this is the 80s. You remember how big the Corvette was in the 80s? Do you know how big the Corvette would be to a little kid in the 80s who's nine years old? He said, Danny, uh, what, what color would you like that Corvette to be? I said, uh, I think I'd like it to be red. He said, okay, red it will be. Uh, Danny, what would you like the license plate to say? I said, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. What can it say? And he said, how about we do this? How about we say Danny number one? I said, man, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, that sounds amazing. I'll take it. And he, so, so I'm calculating, oh my God, what am I, where am I going to park this thing? We don't have a garage. Like, I'm nine. I can't drive this for seven years. Like, what, what are we going to do? So he goes, okay, here's the deal, Danny. We need you to receive this grand prize. We need you to call this number at 7 p.m. on the dot. Tell them your name. Tell them that you're the grand prize winner, and they're going to give you the car and it'll be delivered to your house on your birthday. Red Corvette, Danny number one on the license plate. Straight to your house. I said, man, I'm in. He said, get a pen and a piece of paper and start writing. I said, all right. So I grabbed the pen, piece of paper. I set it there. I start writing. He goes, all right, here you go. You ready? I'm ready. I start taking the number down. Now, how many numbers are in a phone number? Max. About 10 right? Before you dialed the area code back in the day, before the city got big, it was just seven. But then they added the area code. Now it's 10. So that's the max amount of numbers. But when you're nine years old, you haven't placed a lot of calls in your life. <laughs> so you don't actually know how long a phone number is. All you know is that people call on this thing called the telephone because they have your number. So he began to read off numbers to me. And once we got past 10, he just kept saying numbers over and over and over again for about two minutes until my entire page was filled with numbers. And he says, okay, at 7 p.m., make sure you take this and you call this number. Guys, there must have been like 150 numbers on this piece of paper. My wrist was, oh, did y'all feel bad for me? Right? Oh, come on, everybody together. Oh, pobrecito, right? At 7 p.m., I'm, I'm excited. I, I go, hey, Mom, I got some news for you. <laughs> the favor of God is on me. I don't know why. I don't know how, but there's going to be a new Corvette in our driveway. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, you know, I've won a grand prize, and i got to call this number at 7 p.m. Here's the number. It's really long. I might need your help to dial this number. She said, uh, honey, I, I don't think that was real. I think that was, that was them playing a trick on you. I'm like. Come on, I want to hear it. I said, you don't know what you're talking about. And I went to my room. So they went on about their business. And about 7 p.m., I snuck out to the living room and I picked up the phone and started dialing. And you know, after about 10 numbers, it just starts telling you you can't make a call, right? Because it just shuts the, because you cannot complete the call, right? So, and then I realized, and then, and then it hit me. I've been pranked. Come on. Go. You know, and it's funny, right? Like, like, when I look back now, I'm like, wow, that was good. They got me. They got me. But in all seriousness, I want, you to, I want, I want to be serious here for a second. 
That's the first time I remember I can't trust people. People are out to hurt you. People are out to mess with you. People are out to, to prank you. And, and it just messed with me. And I remember it, it stirred in me anger and then unforgiveness. Now, I got saved later, so the only thing I wished on the, on the guy was that he would get a terminal disease and die. But I, <laughs> aside from that, I forgave him, and I hope he's in heaven and he's safe. But aside from that, I worked through that. But what I'm saying is it stirred, it stirred anger and unforgiveness in me. Even as a little kid, I was old enough to perceive these guys jacked with me, man. And, and that, that here's, here's what I felt more than anything. I remember feeling shame that they got me. And then here's, here's what I really remember. I remember that in the background of the call, there were people laughing in the background. And so then it started to click. This whole time they had me. This whole time they got me, right? So one more time. Oh, okay. All right, great. Now, but here's what I've learned. Life happens that way. And, and, and as an adult, those red Corvette moments, we need the grace of God for those moments. When, when we've been shamed, when we are ashamed, when we're angry, when we're filled with unforgiveness, some of that stuff has happened to you. And it was bigger than a prank call, bigger than a red Corvette moment. It was big enough to cause you to not look at the grace that God has given to you, but to recognize that maybe even in you, in this moment, in this season, there's unforgiveness towards others for the things they've done, the things they've said, the shame that, that you feel because of stuff people have done to you. And, and here's what I'm saying. Grace came down to forgive us. Grace came down so that we can forgive. And there'll be moment after moment after moment like that, that there are these red Corvette moments where there's this opportunity for us to just stay in bitterness, to stay in anger, to stay in justification, to, to desire revenge, to resent, and to just let this build up until we become an isolated, walled off, pushing back on everybody, disconnected, cynical person. But if you trace it back, you probably don't have a problem with the people around you. You trace it back, it's probably the stuff that happened to you a long time ago. Somebody or something or that moment or something just, just tripped the wire and that's enough. So now everybody's going to pay the price for what somebody else did. And I'm telling you, as a father, as a leader, as a pastor, as a friend, whatever you are to people, as a manager, as a mom, dad, like you cannot hold this stuff on the inside of you and expect to lead your life and lead people healthy. You will lead people into the abyss of your discontentment and your disappointment and your dissatisfaction if you don't allow God and the grace that came down to deal with the, the ungraceful places that reside in your life. See, that's the first point I wanted to make. Grace came down to forgive you. It came down to forgive you. Like Jesus thinks enough about you to come down Think big enough and broad enough about your life, your lineage, the generations that will come to forgive you, to not hold you responsible for your sin, your children, your children's children, to simply bring grace, give it to you, ask you to receive it as a gift for you to take it and then walk it out and then come back to it over and over and over again, remembering it's not anything that saved you. It's not anyone that saved you. It's grace that came down to save you. 
Grace came to forgive you. Ephesians 1 says it like this, in him, it's talking about Jesus, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In him we have redemption. In him through his blood we have the forgiveness of sins. On my worst day, in my worst moment, in the darkest of places and in the darkest of seasons, God's blood covers. And it's the forgiveness of sins that we can now walk in. See, grace came down so that you can be forgiven. It didn't come so that it could bring shame and guilt upon you. It didn't come so that you could walk in unforgiveness. It came to wipe the slate clean of your sin. It it came not to hold your past against you, but to free you. And for you to learn what it's like to walk as an adopted, stay with me on this word, an adopted child of God, a son or a daughter of the living God, just learning to walk in that grace. You ever had a debt paid off? You paid something off and you're like, dang, I don't have that payment anymore. Woo, that feels great. Extra cash in the bank this week, right? This month. You know, it just feels like a weight, right? Then you go charge something else and get back in debt, right? But the point is, for a moment there, you felt, oh, I'm free. There's freedom that many people don't know they're walking in. It's been paid. It's free over their life, but they're still walking with the debt of the past. And they, they, they haven't connected that this grace is not just a story. It's alive. It came for you. It paid the price. The debt is wiped. It's clean. It's done. You owe nothing to God. That's the beauty of grace. Because we'll, we'll get better in life. See, we, we, we come to God when we really want things to be better and pain-free. And he intervenes and he interacts and he comes around us. And then, and then he does that. And then often we step back from him. We step back from adoration. We step back from his presence. We, we step back from the love we had, the passion that we had. And we, we're kind of like, I'm good. Thanks, God. Appreciate that. Appreciate you getting me out of it. Thanks for paying that bill. Appreciate that. Thanks for getting me that job. I needed that. Didn't know if I was going to make it. Oof. Uh, thank you that that car uh, was only $600 and not $6,000 to fix. Thank you, God. Appreciate that, right? And we just kind of walk away from these moments not realizing that God wasn't just doing this for the car. He was doing this for you. God didn't just intervene to change the situation. He intervenes to change you. He comes not to just mess with the circumstances around life to cause us to look up and ask for help, but to learn that we always have him available at all times. Secondly, grace came down to save you. Grace came down to save you. Matthew chapter one tells us this, she will bear a son, you'll call his name Jesus, and he will save people from their sins. See, the weight of sin can weigh on the heart, it weighs on the mind, it weighs on actions, it weighs on how we walk. Some of you, the older you're getting, the more aches and pains you have. Sin will cause you to limp like you have aches and pains that Jesus has freed you from. And they will weigh you down and grace came to save you. He saves us from our sin. Grace is for sinners. 
Grace is for sinners. So if you're like, I'm, I'm a sinner. Yeah, grace came for you. It came to free you. It interrupted this earth, the hopelessness, the darkness, the confusion, the uncertainty, the frustration. It, it intervened, interrupted, and then it declares you're saved. The forgiveness of your sin has been put upon Jesus. See, salvation doesn't just give us hope for eternity. It's not salvation for someday in heaven. It's salvation now so I don't go back into the same loop over and over of trying to earn something from God that he paid for a long time ago. How many times are you going to say, I'm going to do better, God? I'll try harder. Maybe God is not trying to get you to try harder. Maybe he's trying to get you to receive better. Because he already gave it. In fact, maybe the work isn't something that you need to do. Maybe it's something that was already done. Last point, I'll close with this. Grace came to center your hope. Grace came to center. Center your hope. Center your hope. See, we, we need strength to get through seasons of difficulty. And most things in life, we're able to get through through our own strength and our own health. By the grace of God, thank you, God, that we got some strength and some health. We're able to get through those things. But then there are things that come and they test our strength. They test our ability to cope. They test our mental, emotional, spiritual, physical strength. Things that we know we need something beyond the natural to help us overcome this situation. How do we know that? How many times have you said, God, I can't handle this. I can't take anymore. Right? How many times have you said, God, I keep coming back to the same place over and over. See, it's, it's in those moments that we, we start looking for hope in something or someone else. And this is what grace does. Grace says, you didn't get yourself here. You're not going to get yourself out of it. Grace comes to center you and deliver you. See, Isaiah says it like this. Those who hope in the Lord. Come on, say this word with me. Hope. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. Come on, this is beautiful and poetic, but listen to the truth in this. He's saying that if you put your hope in God like an eagle, you're going to soar in this life. And then you're going to run. Because some of you, you know, you've got dreams ahead of you. You've got responsibilities ahead of you. You've got passion in front of you. You've got things that are in your heart. You, you need to run. But when life is weighing on you, it's hard to run. When your own choices are weighing on you, it's hard to run. When your own mistakes are weighing on you, it's hard to run. When your failures are weighing on you, it's hard to run. And he's saying, put your hope in God. God is going to renew your strength. You're going to soar on wings like eagles. You're going to run and not grow weary. Come on. Think about like from physical strength place. When you go to the gym and you do a, a really hard workout and you're tired. Imagine working out and not getting tired. Imagine eating tamales and not getting tired. <laughs> Imagine cheering for the Cowboys, even though they say this is our year and it never is, and not getting tired. Think about it. He's saying, you will run, you will not grow weary, and you will walk and you will not faint. See, there is a supernatural strength. Stay with me on this. There's a supernatural strength God wants to remind you of tonight. And that strength is the grace that came down for you. See, that grace already got you through what you didn't think you could get through. You're still here because grace came down and held you in that place. 
you're not that strong, and you're not that smart, and you're not that great. How do we know that? Because you know that. And you know what you got away with, and you know what you escaped, and you know where you could have died, and you know where you really could have messed it up, and you know where God has just been there. And, and every time you go to this place where you're like, man, thank you, God, for getting me out of that. Say, thank you, God, for your grace. Because that's what it was. That's what it was in that moment. Now, in that moment, you probably didn't see that. You just saw a way of escape, but it was grace that came down again and again and again and again. It came to center your hope. What am I saying? Of all the things you can put your hope in in this world, of all the things that we see people putting their hope in every single day on this earth, Christmas is a reminder that in those red Corvette moments, in those prank call moments, in those moments that are, that are painful, don't look to something or someone else. Let God renew your strength. Let God center your hope. And let me be real, because I know some of you are like, okay, Daniel, what I've been through, it was more than a prank call. And what I've been walking through is a lot more than a little red Corvette story. Okay, let me tell you what God's promise is for you. First Peter chapter 5 says, And the God of all grace, come on, say that with me, grace. grace. The God of all grace who called you, he called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. Amen. So the question is, where am I going to put my hope in this season? Where am I going to put my hope in this moment? Am I going to keep looking outside of myself for something or someone? Am I going to keep looking to myself or am I going to look at the God of all grace who's already called me, who's delivered me before, who's going to, after the suffering, restore me, make me strong, make me firm and steadfast. Where's your hope right now in this season? What is it resting in? What have you placed it in? Like what's that next thing that you're hoping happens so that you're good to go. Once, once this happens, I'm good. Once this job opens up, once I get that raise, once that promotion, once this move, once we sell this house, once we get out of this debt, once I get done with this divorce, once I get rid of these kids, come on, once I get rid of this and that, come on, what is it that, that you're putting your hope in? There's grace available right now. See, you want your hope to be in something that can't be taken away. Let me say that again. You want your hope to be in something that can't be taken away. Anything on this earth can be taken away. The things I love that are most dear and most precious at any moment can be taken away. The people I love, the things I love, the opportunities I love, the day that I love, the health that I love, the moments I love can be taken away in an instant. I don't, I don't want to put my hope in something that can be taken away. I want to put my hope in something that came down and has remained and has stayed the entire time and promises to hold me till the end. Would you bow your head with me? Matthew chapter 11 says, this, come to me, all you who are weary and you're burdened, and I will give you rest. I don't know if you're weary in this season. I don't know if you're burdened. I don't know what, what, what weight is on you or your family or your marriage or your finances or your spiritual life. I don't know what you're contemplating or thinking about in this season, but I, 
I pray today that grace awakened you to the beauty of his grace. I pray that today you saw grace a bit differently, that it's not just a word, that it's not a, a thing, it's not this thing out there, it's, it's present and alive in Jesus. I pray that grace is awakening you to what really needs to hold you next year in 2024. Not the new goals. Those are great. Those are great. But I pray that, that grace, that every day it, it reminds you that you're loved, that you're accepted in God, that because of his spirit and his spirit that empowers you to walk because of his word, because of his mercy, because of his love and his grace, you can walk out this life every day trusting he's got you. See, that, that's the real question. God, are you really with me? Okay, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. He is with you. He is with us. That's his promise. Faith stirs that. A prayer for you this evening as we go into this next beautiful couple of days of Christmas and whatever that means to you and whatever it is to you with family or lights or people and gifts and all the good stuff that reminds us of this season. My prayer is that you receive that forgiveness, that salvation, that you center your hope in him. That if you look outside of yourself, it would be to a God who loves you so richly, who says that the riches of his grace, it's so deep, it's hard to fathom. I really feel tonight there are some people that you need to forgive yourself because God forgave you. I just sense by the Holy Spirit that, that tonight people are walking with a burden that God has not put on you. It could be the enemy, it could be demonic influence, it could be your own mind, but there's a grace that comes when we ask the Lord to forgive us and then receive that grace and that forgiveness and then by faith, starting that moment after we say that, we start to walk that out. And it's in that moment, God says, you are loved, son, you are loved, daughter. If you need the forgiveness of God, if you need the salvation of God, the salvation for sins, it says Jesus came and he will save people from their sins. See, sin is not great to God. It's something that we play around with. It's something that destroys our peace. So God says, come to me if you're weary. If you're weary from sin, if you're weary, if you're burdened, not just by life, but maybe by your own sin. He says, I'll give you rest. Where's that rest? It starts with salvation in the name of Jesus, the salvation of your soul. And maybe it's centering your hope. You need to recenter your hope. You've been hoping in something or someone else that, and maybe that's, the, that's like your track record from one thing to the next, from one person to the next. You're like a hamster on a wheel. 
Like it's some area of my life, like I, I see all of these things present. That's why I'm preaching this from my life. Like this is what I see in my life, where I'm hard on myself, where I forget that God saved me at my worst, where I, for, I forget that my hope needs to be in God and I'm putting it in something or someone else. Like this is the grace of God on my life that I'm preaching to you tonight. This is not theory. This is not random points. This is the holiness of God that comes to invade our life and rescue us from a life wasted in self-effort. Do you need that this evening? Do you need the forgiveness of God? Do you need the salvation of God? Do you need to recenter your hope? If any of those things, if I'm talking to you tonight, would you lift your hand so I can can pray for you? I just want to pray for you wherever you're at. Lots of hands going up for whatever it is. And God's peace be upon you. God's forgiveness be upon you. May his sweet presence fill this room right now. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill this place right now. Touch your people. Thank you for undeserved grace and favor on lives. Some of you, God is is restoring to you the calling that he placed on you as a child that you walked away from or neglected. Here on Christmas Eve service at Grace Avenue, God is awakening something that he placed on you as a child. And this is a prophetic moment right now where God is saying, I've been waiting for you to come back home. If that's you and you know that's you and you don't mind sharing that, would you lift your hand because I want to partner with you in the calling on your life. Amen. 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 Sir, can I just speak to this gentleman here in the white shirt? Sir, I don't know your name, but I just see the glory of God on you. And I, when I say I see the glory of God, I see his calling upon your life. And I see that as a young, as a young child, there were moments that were so integral that shaped your soul. It was moments in his glory, moments of his weight on your life. And God invaded you in dreams, and he invaded you in your room, and he invaded you in times where nobody saw. None of this stuff makes sense to people. See, this is how God calls. When you're in pursuit after him, he'll chase down your children and your grandchildren with the promise that he placed on you. And, And I just see that that glory rests on you, and today God's peace wants to restore to you that you are loved, you are accepted, you are not done, you have not even yet to begin and God is not finished with your call. It is just beginning, honey. Just beginning. I, I know this is Christmas, but for me, this is destiny. I take this very seriously. I can hardly see because my light's blinding me here, but I can see a white shirt. <laughs> Would y'all pray with me? This is a holy moment, church. I need you to partner with me for this, this individual here. I just pray for the call of God to be restored, clarified. Lord, thank you for redemption of the soul. Lord, we pray for this individual, Lord, that they would walk in greatness, greatness to proclaim your name, to walk in truth, to know the holiness of the calling, to walk in that redemption, to receive the gift of grace, not just in their life, but on their life, for their future. We praise you, God, for what you're restoring and redeeming this evening here, Christmas Eve service at Grace Avenue, in Jesus' mighty name. Seal it, Lord God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Let the enemy be pushed far back from any distraction. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Come on. That's what I call Christmas. That's what I call Christmas Eve service. I don't know that individual, but I'm telling you, I've had moments like that where God does that, and that's all you need. That's all you need. And he's doing that for some of you tonight to remind you of his forgiveness, of his salvation. These are dark times in this world. This is not a time to play around. Our kids and our grandkids need to see us walking in the light and the truth of Jesus, to not be on the fence, to not be about excuses. We don't got to know everything, but we got to know one thing. We're serving the Lord. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Amen. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.